of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We are lucky to be here. No one in Miami is sitting in church this morning. Many of our friends in Houston aren't either. Our friends in the Northwest fleeing from wildfires. And to the South, people in Mexico fearing aftershocks to a magnitude 8 earthquake. We are truly lucky to be here. But we are not immune. We are not immune to all the tragedy and evil that seeks us out to divide us and to destroy us. We aren't immune to destruction and degradation. We might have skipped out on these natural disasters, but I'll bet we're somehow connected to someone who is a victim. And we ourselves still daily experience all sorts of societal breakdowns. We are not immune. We have people in our midst who hunger literally, who thirst, who seek permanent freedom, who know some, we know some who are scared for their own well-being and their own economic security. We have neighbors that live alongside us that battle illnesses. We know people who struggle with addictions and others who are victims of racial attacks or hate crimes, victims of homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia. We have friends who have lost loved ones, and we ourselves have found aspects of our own lives that literally at times push us right over the edge. We are not immune to tragedy nor to evil. But we discount this stuff as, oh, it's the ways of the world, or that's the way it is, or we minimize these circumstances as, oh, well, they're yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's not tragic enough or that wasn't evil enough in some way. As if bad things or evil occurrences have to be quantified. They're just not evil enough. As Dr. Evil himself, comedian Mike Myers puts it, they're semi-evil, quasi-evil. They're just kind of the margarine of evil, the Diet Coke of evil, just one calorie not evil enough. My point is that we have been slowly and systematically beaten down by forces which we cannot control. We have so much healing to do, but quite often the type of healing that we don't even know how to do, nor do we actually know where to start. We get two very unique perspectives on this today. First from Paul, and then later from Jesus. Paul talks it all up to priorities. For Paul, in his letter to the Romans, the people of God have been set free from having to follow the law of Moses. They've been set free from any bondage to sin by Jesus, by the presence of Jesus. They've been set free from the things that always seem to stand in our way of real love. Paul argues definitively that we have been set free. We are free to love, we are called to love one another, and we're called to love one another over and over and over again, to love. But life happens, 
And then we get bogged down. And we still end up hurting other people. And other people hurt us. And problems and tragedies occur. How is that then? Is that the freedom in Christ that Paul talks about? How is it real? How is it really valid what he's saying? That's one of the very big questions of our time. It's not an easy question to answer, and Paul doesn't answer it entirely. But he, what he does tell us, what Paul tells us, is that we'll answer this when we focus on love and forgiveness. When we commit to a living, if we commit to living a life of love in order to heal the world. And that as we continuously face challenges, we'll draw nearer and nearer to the very presence of salvation if we focus on love. Self-giving, self-emptying, canotic love, literally love that pours out of our hearts. So that when we put on Jesus' love as a garment when we wake up in the morning, as we shield ourselves with the light of Christ as our defense when the darkness gets close, so that we commit to living honorably with others and practice being loving when we practice loving our neighbors as ourselves. We have to practice. And then Jesus expands on this by outlining a process on how we might live peaceably with everyone. Jesus speaks very specifically about the need to live in a habit and spirit of forgiveness over and over and over again. The only way to draw nearer to God is to practice love and forgiveness. But notice how none of these practices of love and forgiveness and healing the world, notice how they can't be done alone. We cannot be solitary beings and expect to be successful, much less live a truly full life in the family of God. We can't do love and forgiveness and healing the world alone. Part of the challenge of our modern era is that we can transact any business, we can order up any food that we want, we can talk to any person we want to, we can arrange travel almost anywhere we want to go around the world, we can even arrange a date, we can buy a new outfit and have groceries delivered to your front door in less than an hour, all at the touch of a button on your smartphone. We don't need anyone else. We can go at it alone. And we've been practicing this now off and on for about 15 years as a society. And so we practice being alone because we think it makes everything easy. Less hassle, less headache. And the more we do this, the more we isolate ourselves the more we separate ourselves from community or from others. And then one day, we start noticing that we're afraid of other people. Or when we go into a crowd like at the shopping mall, we get panic attacks. Or we get overwhelmed or really frustrated when we actually have to talk and communicate what our needs are to someone else. What was originally convenient 
now isolates us. And then our world gets scarier. And when we're pressed, when we are challenged, when we start facing all kinds of tragedy, we start believing that we have to face it alone. But that's not the message of Jesus, and that's not the Christian way of life. Convenience is good, but it's not the key to healing the world, and it's not the key to living a full life. A full life includes loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and also loving our neighbors as ourselves, but we have to actually know our neighbors. We have to be in community with our neighbors and get to know them, especially when they're different than we are. And we have to really get to know them because when we do, we start committing to practice this and practice walking in the kingdom of God. And we start seeing aspects of our lives in an entirely new way. We start seeing a whole new life, an abundant life, a richer life that really matters that matters to us, but matters to others as well. And it's a full life that draws us into a closer fellowship with other people. People like us, and also people who are different than we are. Something changes in our hearts. We become the people of the way, just like the people in that early church called themselves the people of the way. We become the people of the way, the family of God who dwells in love and forgiveness wherever we go so that we together can work with God and heal the world. And we gather in the name of Jesus who promises in today's gospel that whenever two or three are gathered together in his name, he will be in the midst of them. And we believe this. We believe this and we know that Jesus has indeed shown up and is part of what we're doing right here and right now. True example of how this played out this week. I'll start the story like I started the sermon, about being set free by Jesus while still realizing that we're not immune to evil or to tragedy so we practice loving and healing the world with Jesus. Here's a true story. When I was a kid in Houston, there was a guy named Mattress Mac, Jim McInvale, on TV all the time, advertising for this company called Gallery Furniture. Now, 40 years ago, McInvale was fired from a very low-paying, dead-end job. He got depressed. He had no money. He had practically nothing. He got really lost in his life. He could not find his way. All he did was take naps and watch television. So he was always watching TV and napping and dozing in and out. But one day when he was napping, he was kind of half awake, half asleep. He heard the televa some televangelist on the TV. Well, in the early 80s, televangelists were on the TV all the time. So he was napping, and here's this televangelist telling, screaming into the TV. And in his own words, McInvale says, I heard, get up, go to work, and make something of your life. So off he went. And through all sorts of ups and downs and craziness, he had no money to begin with, so it was a real challenge. But he opened this store, Gallery Furniture, on the campus of an old, dilapidated mobile home park. But Mattress Mac had two things on his side. Same-day delivery 
and about the tackiest commercials you would ever see on local television. He also had a big dose of real faith and determination. So fast forward. In the Houston market nowadays, gallery furniture is basically a household name. The people there have, the people in Houston and the entire area have been grateful for McInvale and his store's generosity to thousands of people, everyday people of all walks of life ever since. For example, his store and his employees model generosity like they fed over something like 25,000 Thanksgiving Day dinners to the needy. They've donated to military families when they're struggling to make ends meet and donating thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to medical research to assist people who are recovering from strokes. But the most selfless thing that Mac and his crew have ever done was about a week and a half ago. Just when the floodwaters and the bayou started overflowing and the floodwaters started rising up after Hurricane Harvey, Mattress Mac risked everything and he lived his faith for the love of God and for his neighbors and he had his publicist send out this message. Gallery furniture locations are now open as shelters for anyone who is in need. We have food, new beds, and clean restrooms for anyone who comes to our locations, and your pets are welcome too. The stores, full of brand new furniture, were offered and opened up to anyone, offered freely to anyone in need. They not only provided places to sleep, they provided food for people, for their kids, even for their pets, free. Pure, abundant, excessive generos generosity out of pure love. People were welcomed. The store's employees gave selflessly, even in a time when the evil forces of death and destruction lurked everywhere and hope was seemingly gone. The healing and love that pours forth from the family of God transformed formed the sorrow and the loss and brought Christ's love in action back to the community. NPR heard about this, and so the next day they actually interviewed McInvale on the radio, and he said, the people, they're sleeping on hundreds of mattresses throughout the store. They're sleeping on couches wherever they can find a place that's comfortable, and God bless them. Responding impulsively, quickly, generously, providing shelter in the midst of a storm and revealing goodness in the midst of evil, chaos, and tragedy. Loving others as ourselves in the midst of absolutely great adversity. Healing the world by generosity, love, and action. Brothers and sisters, we've got this. We can do this too, and we must do this in your own individual way, big or small. Put on the armor of Christ's light. Love your neighbor as yourself, even in the midst of trial, even when it seems like you can't because you're surrounded by some kind of rising water that life has thrown at you. 
Don't wait. Love. The kind of love that literally pours out of your hearts. And do it today.